0: Future of Finance podcast
1: where finance finds its future. Hello, I'm Dominic Hobson, co-founder of Future of Finance. My guest today is Peter Gargon, CEO of NTF Financial Services, a company he set up more than 20 years ago after experiencing at first hand the challenges investment banks had in managing and using their data to meet the needs of traders, operations managers, risk managers, and especially compliance with their regulatory obligations. Peter, thanks for joining us. Dominic, thank you for having me. Now, this is something of a, uh, a cliche, but data is an opportunity. It, it, it offers us, you know, new insights, better predictions, new customers. Uh, you can also use it, of course, to manage your risks. As I mentioned in my in my opening remarks, you can mm-hmm. avoid, avoid paying regulatory fines. You can find new customers, you can find customer assets which have gone missing. Uh, the clients that you deal with at N-tier, are they primarily thinking in terms of seizing opportunities here? Or are they primarily thinking in terms of managing risk?
0: I think from our client base, the primary focus is reducing risk and regulatory risk uh, across the board as that's a sort of key, uh, key financial issue for them if they get hit with fines, right? I, On this, the insights, the better predictions, and a lot of the aspects you get out of fixing the data that we deal with on the regulatory side tend to be secondary benefits of it. But the primary focus for most of our clients is the regulatory side.
1: So does that mean that the focus of of the platform that you've built is Mm -hmm. both trading and operations and risk management? uh, Or is it one of those things more than the other two? You know if you look
0: at the data that the regulators are requesting at this point every time they expand the regulations they pick up more and more data that data gets down to product product types into people people categorizations your customer data it really hits all of it right it just hits it in different ways for different verticals within the it infrastructure so from a risk perspective, you're looking at all the same characteristics of the customers that they may be looking at for the insights and the other things. They're just sort of sliced and diced in different ways based on which kind of regulation you're reporting on. But the data set's broad and it covers pretty much everything the banks have.
1: Well, we'll, we'll come back to that question of the scale of data mm-hmm. uh, in, in a minute when we talk about the uh, the consolidated audit trail. But just let's stay at a high level for a minute. Uh, which when you're helping these organizations uh, get to grips with their data, which is a bigger problem? Is it actually aggregating the data, which is scattered all over the place? Or is it actually monitoring the emergence arrival of new data?
0: They're, they're both challenges in a sense, right? Because they, and they have different dynamics. If For the aggregation, the data lives in different places, in many cases, for one in particular reg report. And what we have seen over time is as the client, as the regulators expand the scope of their red reporting, they pick up more and more data from different verticals within the infrastructure. So that aggregation tends to be a challenge because you have to tie back the data across different data sets, which look completely different. And then, you know, layering on top of that, the ability to validate it is also a challenge. So they're they're both equally challenging, and but they've got their own different dynamics around those challenges.
1: The question is how you solve those challenges. And when I first looked at this, or first became familiar with this area, maybe more than 20 years ago now, Mm -hmm. the solution to this data being all over the map was that you built a data warehouse, and then you could run applications off that data warehouse. Are are data warehouses still part of the solution? And if they're not, what happened to them? Um, They are to some extent,
0: but the the problem with the warehouses is is they suffer they they suffer from a staleness issue where you know the the data still doesn't live and isn't doesn't live in the warehouse and it's not owned by the warehouse it's owned by the underlying subsystem so unless you have very very tight controls around the updates and the flow of that data the warehouse itself tends to become an add on to the problem right so you have to build the same kind of validations we do on the regulatory front need to be part of your warehouse strategy and what we have found is that most people build out their warehouse strategy but that is a secondary thought and then what happens is the warehouse itself although it may be a feeding system for some of the downstream parts of the process like reg reporting Mm -hmm. it still needs to be cross-checked in a sort of much more real-time nature than what they're doing warehouses in general aren't really going anywhere i mean they've data lakes and you know all these different variations of this but but they still have the same fundamental problems of the data being stale or inaccurate and it still needs to be validated much more aggressively when you're using it for critical reporting
1: you're explaining that data is is quite hard to get hold of it's it's hard to to validate it's hard to make sure it's accurate it's kind of hard to to use but if we if we stay at a high level that mm-hmm. that is potentially a very substantial problem because you know financial services is a very uh, highly uh computerized industry if you like we used to refer to computers as, as information technology so they eat data they they produce data data is is the primary input it's also the primary output yet it's it's obviously from what you're saying uh in a bit of a mess inside most financial institutions it's scattered across systems it's some might be in a warehouse some might not is it up to date is it accurate and so on so uh, at a high level when you when you go into an organization how do you start to help them overcome those data silos those fragmented formats that lack of accuracy
0: well what we've built out is a very flexible toolkit which is really very rules-based and it allows you to dynamically pull in that data from different places and put it back into sort of cohesive data sets which are cross-source if you will right the the dispersion of the data is a natural part of the process right so what's happened over time is the reason it becomes such a challenge is that the expansion of the regulations are the ones that are mandating you put it back in formats which combine things which aren't naturally combined based on a business line or a business function perspective and that's one of the core challenges i mean but in order to overcome that you really need a very good set of technology with a suite of functionality, which is pretty hard to build. And you need a very good understanding of the data and the data challenges across the industry, which is sort of two key things that we sort of have and have built up over time.
1: If you're going to produce, say, a regulatory report, you're going to have to, as you, as you have just pointed out, pull in data from different places, Mm-hmm. across different sources yep. so is 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 your platform being used primarily to manage internal data or does that pulling in and cross sourcing apply to external data as well so i'm going to produce a, a report sent to the sec uh, mm-hmm. I, I have to measure myself against what's going on in the marketplaces so is your platform able to marry up the internal and the external data
0: yeah, we look we look at both. And there are there are certain aspects of the reporting where, you know, you've got from the regulator, you've got symbol lists, which are reportable. You've got different parts of data in the industry that are external to the banks. You know, you if you're dealing with your counterparts, you may have data coming in from some of the clients or counterparts directly. So the platform can take in both sides of it and marry it back up and basically make sense of it and then use it as to validate and sort of manage the reporting process. It does both. Is which is was, kind of a which is kind of a requirement in many cases,
1: uh-huh. uh, uh, but it it makes your your problem more difficult still, doesn't it? Presumably, that external data provides another range of formats and accuracy and validation questions as well, does it not?
0: Yeah, it it does, and it would be a challenge if we were like hard coding things. But the platform is data agnostic and configurable, uh-huh. so from our perspective, it doesn't really create much of an issue.
1: Talking to you and reading the material which you which you produce, I I notice you often say that the cost of not investing has to be high enough to persuade firms to I- invest in in data management. Uh, this is clearly something you've learned from experience. What exactly mm-hmm. do do you mean by that?
0: Well, it, that that you know a lot of that comes out of my historical experience with the banks and brokerages where. You know, I mean, data data challenges are nothing new. They're part of the process. They're part of the infrastructure. It's just, it, historically, there has been a, you know, the appetite for fixing a lot of these things where it's quite complicated and be kind of expensive in some cases has been driven off of the cost of what, what is the impact of the data being wrong? And if the impact of the data being inaccurate is secondary or not critical, then there's generally been much less of a, appetite to really focus on correcting it because it's a matter of priorities and the assignment of resources across the across the company right I think to some extent that has evolved and changed over time and that it's much more it's become more sort of dynamic and people are more focused on it in general regardless of that cost. but that's a traditional view of how it's evolved over say the last 20 years
1: as you've just said, organizations do, allocate resources according to priorities which have been chosen
0: mm-hmm. and
1: to put that crudely budgets are allocated by a political process inside these major financial institutions would you say that the, the problems you're encountering in getting firms to to reach that point where if we don't invest the cost is going to be much higher than if we do uh, when you're getting to that point is the challenge within the firm primarily a political one or is it primarily a, a technical one? It's just so difficult to, to capture and manage the data.
0: I, I think personally, like from our perspective, you know, while banks may struggle technically with it, we've proven our solution to solve the technical issues. So I don't think when people look at us as a provider, I don't think they, they, they can see pretty clearly that we're doing this across a pretty large range of complex firms I and mean, it's not a technical issue. Mm-hmm. I also think to some extent we don't we don't face the kind of resistance we used to sort of going back 10 12 years and I, I think it's become much more of an accepted I think the industry in, as a whole is moving into this space where they know they need these kind of processes and it it's got a lot less resistance than it used to say 10 years ago right and so even now it's it's much less of an issue you know fer- firms realize they need a to cover the gaps in their governance and their data validation processes that we don't we don't generally see anywhere near as much resistance to that as we
1: used to you've pointed out that your platform is it's configurable it's customizable an implication, mm-hmm. an implication of that is that that the data management problems inside any one firm are going to be unique to that firm And there's a bit of me which wants to understand whether there are differences between the financial services industry and say, industrial and commercial companies or government departments. But Mm -hmm. if you've got got some observations on that, please do share them. But my main question is, you know, is there a set of issues when you embark upon trying to clean up data management at a firm, which is common across all types of financial institution and maybe common across all types of, you know, commercial venture? Well, I I think when you look different.
0: Yeah, when you look at... um... When you look at individual regulations, uh, you know, regulations have their own combinations of data and they're pretty consistent. Types of firms, types of problems we see across firms are the same at the end state. But the problem is the data underlying those and the makeup of feeds into those processes or the business process behind those tend to be different. So it's not necessarily that the end state data challenges are different. It's that the The source of those problems are different because they're coming from different infrastructures, different business processes. And there's a lot of variation at that lower level as to where the data, how the data is managed and where it's coming from, which is where the variation comes from. They may end up in the same types of problems in the end, but they're coming from very different processes and sources across different firms based on how the firms are structured and the technology they're using.
1: You've just observed that the, the internal processes differ within firms mm-hmm. and indeed yeah. within industries, which prompts a, a question, which is we often hear talk of data governance. Uh, in other words, there is a risk that you'll get fined by the regulator, not just because you failed to deliver a report on time or that report is not accurate, mm-hmm. but actually your internal data management, data integrity, data processing is uh, is lousy. In other words, regulators want to know uh, that you're actually running the business in a way that if it gets into trouble, they can find out who's owed what. They want to know what those assets and liabilities are. They don't want to find themselves in another FTX situation where there are just a few spreadsheets (laughs) known only to the CEO uh, what was going on. So. Do you get involved in that process with clients of trying to encourage them to adopt a solid governance structure as well or overcome governance, data governance problems they have?
0: Uh, Sure. I mean, data governance is one of our core focus areas, right? I mean, if you look at data governance from a criticality point of view, that is being managed um, at the Federal Reserve level in the US, right? And it's a very high priority for the Fed, right? Because they view it as fundamental to managing the banks and the businesses that have a significant risk. Mm-hmm. The fines for data governance failures tend to be magnitudes bigger than fines for, you know, transactional reporting like CAT or K's or other things of that nature, and the scope of the governance activities tend to be a lot broader. Than individual reg reports. So it's it's a fairly complex process, but it is one of our sort of specialties, if you will. And we are we are involved in that with firms in terms of putting in place overall governance frameworks.
1: One of the, the things that occurs to me as I look at the regulation or re-regulation, if you like, of the financial mm-hmm. services industry over the last uh it goes back beyond the financial crisis or it really goes back 25 odd years i think now uh the the regulators are, are, are asking more and more of regulated firms in terms of of data uh, mm-hmm. i'm not I'm, it's not always clear to me that they're doing very good work with that data but anyway they're asking for it and i i wonder if what the underlying process here is is it because uh, data is being collected digitally it can be delivered digitally that regulators are saying, oh, well, firms can definitely provide us with that sort of data, let's ask them for it. Or do you think that there is a uh, a, a sort of higher purpose behind that they think they can do as regulators a better job uh, if they have more data? Which of those do you think is driving what's going on here, these incessant demands, if you like, for more and more data from regulated firms by regulators? Well,
0: uh, I, I think the regulators overall have gotten better at using the data they have and they've gotten gotten a lot more they've they've built out a lot more technology on their side which allows them to really understand the data and you know if you look at the reporting there's there's a couple of different slices of it there's, there's the whole sort of bad actor part of this right where you're looking for bad actors in the industry right then there's the risk aspects of it and making sure the the firms aren't t- you know Every sort of one of these sets of regs has different kind of focus areas, right? but they've gotten a lot better at using that data, making sense of it a lot quicker than they would if they didn't have processes and technology behind it and and I believe they're they're actually asking for it because they feel that it's going to make make them able to more quickly find potential issues and and reduce the risks in the market so I don't, I don't think it's nefarious. I don't think they're just kind of looking at it through saying we want more data. I mean, obviously, if you looked at the cost of CAT in the US and the, how much the industry is paying for it, the data costs a lot of money to the house, right? So I think they're looking at it because they feel they need the data and they're actually trying to make more sense of it more quickly with the tech stack that they have.
1: But it would be impossible for these regulated firms to deliver this data if it wasn't in digital form and deliverable by digital technology. You know, that's interesting.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's interesting. One of the regs we have in the um, US is called electronic blue sheets, and they actually used to be delivered on paper. <laughs> I mean, and you would actually have to transcribe your transactions for the regulator and give them a stack of papers and say, this is what we traded. You know, so yes, you couldn't
1: do a lot of transactions with that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they probably had a lot of regulations to read those papers. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, We've both mentioned the the consolidated audit trail or CAT, uh, which mm-hmm. is obviously the latest in this long line of, of regulatory requirements which have been laid on, on the industry, uh, you know, dating back, as I say, more than 20 years to those, you know, Patriot Act amendments to the yeah. Bank Secrecy Act, which is itself was the first anti-money laundering legislation It's mm-hmm. over 50 years old now. Uh, and then the great financial crisis added all sorts of other reporting obligations you know, ATC derivatives, form PF for hedge funds and so on. But CAT raises this report to a whole new scale, doesn't it, compared to those measures? Uh, how are you helping? Um, how can how can your N-tier platform help clients cope with with CAT?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think CAT, in its in essence, because it's a complete audit trail of the entire transaction lifestyle, including the reference data, right? So the volume of data at the top of the house for the key market players is, is absolutely enormous. In some cases, it's, you know, maybe six to 10 billion records a day for an individual firm, right? So that scale by itself is is difficult, right? The so but what we're we're focused on for clients is we're helping them validate that the data is accurate. You know, we're looking at that data in multiple sort of slices back to its source data, helping them ensure that the data is complete cat by itself is about 80 different data sets so it's quite volume, you know quite extensive right um, and we're also for some firms we do the reporting for some firms we help them clean it up and fix the reports and send those to the regulators so it's it's a variety of services based on the client's profile what they need help with but we're we're deeply involved with a lot of firms on this.
1: Are you able to help the regulators cope with this? data influx as well? Do you work with regulators directly? We, um, you know, we have a
0: lot of contacts at the regulators, but we tend to stay focused on the clients. And if we are talking to the regulators for whatever reasons, it's generally in relation to some issues our clients may have. Um, We we tend to keep a client-focused approach to this. The regulators know who we are. I think they benefit a lot from the work we do. Because the end result of what we're doing is that they're getting cleaner data from the firms. And I think they appreciate that, but we're not we're not working directly with the regulators. We view this as a a service for the clients and making sure they meet their obligations, not a not a regulatory service.
1: But to service the clients well, you need to understand what regulators want. So do, do, Absolutely. You, have a, do you have an informal dialogue with them? We have a
0: dialogue with them. We also have a very good team of sort of industry. Sort of experts that work for us in the compliance space and understand the regulations.
1: Uh huh. And you you mentioned a, a minute ago that, that the reason regulators are asking for more of this data is because they want to identify bad actors. They want to identify crises
0: uh-huh. uh,
1: in, in the making. Do you ever worry that that that, however, they're noble their initial motivation, uh, the sheer quantity of data that they're dealing with here is going to overwhelm them. In other words. There's a kind of fallacy at work here that if the regulators are thinking, well, if we get more and more data, we can pick up more and more things and make better and better judgments. But do we have the technology and the algorithms and the capability which can be put in their hands to to make use of the, the data they're getting? Or are we just proceeding on the basis of a fallacious line of thinking here?
0: No, I, I believe the tech, technology is out there. It's it's progressed enormously over the last sort of 10, 15 years in terms of the ability to apply automation with this data. Um so I, I don't see them it, it's it's a large data set, but you know, it's it's not the largest in the world. I mean, there's there are larger ones, and I don't see a problem from a tech stack perspective in the regulators being able to use to use automation to analyze this. I mean, obviously it's gets, they're not looking at it manually, not initially, right? So they've probably got layers of processes to identify things and then manual reviews on top of that. But it's, they can, I don't see them getting overwhelmed by it.
1: Do you think you'd have been able to say that uh, back 20 years ago when you started N-tier?
0: Um No, probably not. <laughs> no, I mean, the volumes were significantly lower. They didn't have Amazon or any of these big cloud providers which have massive infrastructures. Doing this without that would become it becomes very very difficult.
1: Mm-hmm. Now you've been around a very long time compared to some of the uh, the fintechs which have emerged to uh, to operate in the data space or indeed consume data. Uh, yeah. In some ways, the whole blockchain revolution, the whole cryptocurrency thing, would mm-hmm. you think of it as a as a as a phenomenon, and whether it's going to you know grow from where it is now or not. Uh, it was based upon uh, upon mining data, distributed data, uh, on smart contracts eating uh, data to feed these, you know from these oracles which which the smart contracts rely on. and then you've got these various forms of digital money, like stable coins like tokenized deposits, which again have to be based upon some sort of proof that there is something. Uh, backing these things up, asset backing these things up. And when we get to equity and, and bond tokens, we'll have the same issue uh, mm-hmm. if an asset backed, you know, where is this asset which is backing this token? Yeah. Uh, and indeed, when we get native tokens, again, it's, you know, that the data and the technology become pretty much the same thing. So uh, this is a kind of interesting point we've reached in the development of, of information technology, if you like, data technology, and uh, its latest iterations in effect, the data and the technology are kind of fused. I, I just wonder if you if you see opportunities for your business in fintech blockchain, cryptocurrency tokenization
0: I mean there's there's sort of two sides of this, right? I mean, on the fintech side of it as as like a lot of these um Fintech firms, obviously, the regulation on them has gone through the roof, right? And we, we they're one of our key market segments. So we have a lot of the fintechs where like they're doing regular reporting through us. Um, and, you know, as the regulators continue to tighten up because they are going to continue to sort of make this fit within the existing frameworks as much as possible, right? Um, so they... It, the regulators are very focused on regulating the fintechs and all the digital sort of portions of this, whether it's you know, whether it's coin or 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 the exchanges, whatever. But you know, that's a key market segment for us. And we tend to be experts in that segment, and we tend to have a very good footprint there, which is which is growing, you know, growing in line with the industry, if you will. Uh we've looked at some of these other types of tech stacks ourselves and tried to figure out if there's a place for them with our clients you know in terms of offerings and we're still working through some of that whether it's blockchain or not but you know it it's still in flux from our perspective but the fintech space is is great for us and we have a lot of clients in it
1: to some extent of course the 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 bandwagon has moved on from blockchain and the flavor of the month now is yeah. artificial intelligence and machine learning mm-hmm. yeah as I said at the outset, those are more than usually reliant on, on eating data. Does your yes. platform either feed data into these uh, uh, machine learning algorithms, or do you make use of machine learning algorithms in your own business? We have we have variations
0: of that. I mean, if you if you look at a lot of what, what we're doing is, you know, we're taking data sets that aren't together and we're putting them back together in a way that allows you to figure out what is right and wrong that by itself it tends to be sort of an intelligence process where you have to look at a source of records and say, okay, I've got this. View. If you think that you have a transaction and maybe you have five different views of that transaction when it's comes from your OMS or your back office or your risk system, you kind of have to look at that data and figure out, okay, what part of that is right? What part of it is wrong? That ends up being rules on our side and we we're applying logic to come up with likely scenarios for which ones are correct and what different characteristics of transactions. It's sort of an embedded AI within our process, but it's it's to some extent, it's sort of user assisted, if you will, right? The final, the final say on our side still rests with the user to lock in rules and things, but we're looking at it basically saying, okay, this is the most likely version of this.
1: Can I ask you a, a slightly unfair um, future-focused question, which is about digital identities? And I'm asking you partly because we're a little bit obsessed with this at Future of Finance. We see it as an important <laughs> okay. uh, methodology. Uh, but I'm also asking it because I start to see at it last. It's getting a bit of traction with asset managers and with, with banks who see it in the first place as helping to solve their customer due diligence, customer onboarding, process, mm-hmm. which are highly manual, paper-based, and if information about an individual or a corporation was available in a digital form and it was a very rich data set, which covered everything from somebody's passport and driver's license right through to their submissions to whatever the local corporate register is, their financial statements and so on. You could start to build up pictures of of customers um, which uh, are much richer and would enable you to to move on from this paper based digital process do you do you see given that you're in the data management business do you see digital identities as an opportunity for your business simply because they are ultimately a product of data aggregation and data management
0: um yes to some extent i mean obviously kyc right is all based on digital identity source of assets right i mean there's a there's an obligation for firms to sort of really dig in and figure out people's sort of fund, source of funds and other characteristics of their businesses when they sign up for any sort of brokerage account, right? I think the more data that people have at their fingertips, it's, it's historically, it's been a very sort of paper-based sort of, you know, believe what the client says kind of process. But I think firms are definitely leveraging more data sources. And there's a lot of stuff out there on people that, you know, they may otherwise not disclose. So, There's certainly a space for that. We're involved in the reference data space quite a bit by default because of the case work that we're doing in the U.S. And I think the more data that's available to help sort of do profiling of people, firms, the better off the and and clients are going to be. So, yeah, we're, we're involved. We haven't gotten into the point of aggregating external sources. And I think when you talk external sources, this is an interesting place where they probably apply.
1: A final question for you, Peter, it's something of a, a, a philosophical one. Mm-hmm. You're a software engineer, and I may be doing all engineers a disservice when I say that engineers exist primarily to fix problems. They're interested in, in fixing problems. <laughs> uh, can, can the data management challenge which you've been working on all these years ever be fixed? And By fixed, I mean fixed in the way that we know how to pipe oil, we know how to, to channel electricity down. Uh, down copper wires is data fixable or is it just a problem which never ends and you just get you you iterate towards better and better solutions to short-term challenges is is the data challenge fixable that's my philosophical question it's an interesting question
0: right because when we go back over the years if i were to go into a team of senior like it folks 10 years ago they'd be like oh don't worry about these data challenges. We're in the process of fixing them, right? And and the idea of fixing them always came down to sort of the aggregated data warehouse, or like, oh, we're gonna consolidate to one source. But the reality of it is business, business systems are built for businesses and business lines. You can't have one monolithic system And as soon as you have systems at a business line level, whether it's a product level, whether it's a risk level, whether it's a corporate reporting level, by definition, you're all relying on different versions of the same data. So unless someone is going to come up with one massive system to run an entire business, the problem actually never goes away. Right, so no, it's 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 a nature of how technology works, how technology develops to support businesses, and the fact that you can't really build, you know, overly complex cross having one large system for everything just is never going to work. The, the system retirement aggravates that as well, since systems never get retired. But that's a different that's a different part of it. But no, I don't I don't believe the problem will go away. Um, if, if I thought it would, I probably wouldn't have started the company.
1: It makes me think, of course, that it's not just the nature of technology, it's the nature of business. It may even be the nature of capitalism itself, that you're searching for ever more efficient solutions to a central problem of efficiency.
0: Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of when, you know, when I started my career, we had these different problems and they would always go up the stack, mm-hmm. you know, if, first point we were fixing like EPROMs and reprinting network switches and PROMs to get faster. And then it was like, then it was the OMS and then it was, but the data is really the top of the stack and the data challenges I don't believe are going anywhere.
1: Great, that means Tier Financial Services has a, a long runway to, to enjoy over the next few years. Peter, <laughs> uh, Peter, thanks very much for, for sharing your uh, experience and your thoughts with the members of Future Finance. My pleasure.